KYA is sponsored by Lit Stitch, 25 cross-stitch patterns for book lovers made by Book Riot and Abrams. Inside Book Riot's Lit Stitch, you'll find a number of rad bookish cross-stitch patterns. Some of these are for bookmarks, others are for wall decor, and still others can take on a whole host of finished outcomes. What they have in common is their literary bent. The patterns speak to all manner of literary-minded book lovers who are happy to display their nerdier sides. And what better way than through your own cross-stitch art to hang on your wall, prop on your desk, or even gift to friends and family. And most, if not all, are beginner-friendly and can be completed in a few hours. Instant stitchification. So grab yourself some excellent embroidery floss, hoops, and needles, and pick out one or more of these great cross-stitch patterns for your next project. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith, and we are recording on Thursday, May 7th, 2020. Welcome to another day that makes no sense. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Days are meaningless, time is meaningless, and yet we're still talking about books. Funny story that pre-roll sponsor Lit Stitch, I got a copy of the book. It is awesome. I actually like, I'm obsessed with literary cross stitches, even though I don't remember the last time I did a cross stitch. And um, I just love them. I love how they look. And uh, so I'm so glad that we have a book coming out with a bunch of like nerdy as heck (laughs) bookish cross stitch patterns. Anyway, I wasn't paid to say that. Um, I really meant it. (laughs) Oh, How's it going on your end? Good. I've been, um, ah, I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble, but I'm digging to middle grade books again. What? I know. <laughs> so Nick Stone's uh, Marvel Comics debut hit this week, uh, or last week, as, as we're recording right now. Um, and I started reading Shuri, like, immediately. It was, like, an immediate pre-order when I saw it was coming. Uh, and yeah, I really hope we get to see Nick Stone do more, like, IP novels and media tie-ins. Like, I know we talked all about this last week, but... You know, I'd love to see, like, a Nick Stone Star War. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was trying to get my wife to watch. It's like a YA novel in a movie, but I know it's not a YA novel. Um, oh, dear. Now I'm forgetting. It has the... The half of it? Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, like the boy from Archie, right? Maybe. Isn't that him? I think it is. It's the half... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Asian girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, we watched the trailer, and we both cried a little. I was like, okay... Maybe, maybe not tonight, but we have to watch this. <laughs> what about you? What's going on over there? I have had like um a good week. Uh, it's funny because I'm one of those people that's like day by day, right? Sometimes hour by hour, like how it's going. But I've had like a really solid week. And I think part of that is that I have spent a lot of time outside, reading outside. Um, and vitamin D, I think, has made a big, big difference. But right now I'm deep into a novel that I might blurb, and it's by one of my favorite YA authors, Um, and it is a gender swap take on The Great Gatsby, and so far it's awesome. I obviously haven't shared the title and won't share the title, but it comes out next year, and I'm super excited about it and so honored I got asked if I would consider blurbing it, because that's a thing I don't do very much. And Eric, we get to share some news today, don't we? We do. We will be doing another live show. Yay! 
I love live shows. Yeah. Especially because I listen to like so many like very popular podcasts and they have live shows and I get kind of jealous. I want to do them. <laughs> we do. Well, so if everything goes okay and everybody is back to traveling come September, you can see us at Yahoo Festival in Chattanooga, Tennessee on September 17th. We're doing a live show Friday night and fingers crossed we get to do it. I'm like, I'm at the point where I don't think I will be ready to be on planes for a little while. And it's less about the planes and more about other people. And so I was like, you know, my drive from Chicagoland to Chattanooga is like 10 hours, which not too bad, really. Um, it's a pretty, pretty easy drive. And so I was like, well, the weekend after that festival, my best friend is getting married in Texas. I should just take like an epic road trip for a week, right? And go Tennessee and then down to Texas. So if everything if everything holds up, that's that's the plan. And obviously, first stop is live show with you. So Yay. yeah. That'd be super fun. And you said something that reminded me of like a joke I heard recently because yeah, like my wife's from the Midwest. She's from the, from Michigan. And whenever she would talk about traveling somewhere, she'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, it's only like a 10-hour drive <laughs> or like an eight-hour drive. They'd be like, that sounds terrible. It's like, no, we do that all the time out there. But like here, yeah. like in Philly and like New Jersey, like it's, you know, 45 minutes. Like, oh, God, that's forever. That's like my entire life. But everyone in the Midwest seems just fine, like <laughs> driving a whole day. I don't know how y'all do it. Well, <laughs> To be fair, we don't have quite the same, like, public transit systems that you guys have. Like, train travel here is not as good as it is up the coast. Which, like, I remember I was going from New York City to Providence, Rhode Island, and just, like, blown away I can get on a train and do this. Like, literally from, you know, downtown to downtown, and it was only, like, two hours. I didn't have to drive, um, because that is not a thing that happens here. So... (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't mind because the thing is I just listen to an audiobook and it's like, you're in a car for 10 hours, you can get through two shorter audiobooks, you can get through a longer one, um, which is awesome. That's true. So, uh, oh, talk about the graphic novels. That's been my other thing. So over the past couple of days, I like inhaled, uh, The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen mm-hmm. Way, which like everyone's been telling me to read. And I'm like really mad at myself that it took me so long. But, you know, it's this really lovely graphic novel about a prince who secretly loves to wear dresses uh, and hits the Paris streets. Uh, and the dressmaker with big dreams he hires to make gorgeous revolutionary outfits for him. And like, did you read this book, Kelly? Was this? I did. Yes, I like this one. And like, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but like, no. I I cried like crazy. Oh, my God. At the end, like there's just tears everywhere. Um. People were concerned. My dog was barking at me. Like, it was, <laughs> oh my God, what a book. And yeah, and this is like coming fresh off of reading like Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. And I'm just like going to do the graphic novel thing like really hard this whole quarantine time. Yeah. Uh, I Loom on my desk by Kevin Panetta. And like, yeah, it's like I can read these in like two evenings and feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. And then to like completely catapult out of YA right now, uh, I'm reading like all of The Walking Dead <laughs> right now. Nice light reading. Yeah, so like, so that that website Humble that that I love, they had one of those like bundle deals where you can get. I was able to buy the entire Walking Dead series, all of them. Like it was like some like thirty two like graphic novel volumes for like twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I'm just like slowly reading the entire series because like I didn't want to read them because everything I read about them, the creator kept saying like, oh yeah, it's never gonna end. Oh yeah, it's a zombie series that never ends. Oh, it never ends. But now it ended. 
and like I need catharsis. Like I can't, I can't read a whole, I can't read something knowing it's not going to end. Like right, yeah. So anyway, I'm excited. I'm reading all those. Sorry to take that sharp turn off the YA highway, but like, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to bring up like Dostoevsky in the next episode or anything. Where we're we're safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, middle grade like YA graphic novels, and then adult comics is sort of sort of where I am right now. It's interesting you brought up comics because I usually find comics to be like my go-to when I need something to read and like I'm not in the mood for anything else or my attention span is so short, but I tend to get my comics at the library and with the libraries closed, I'm just like, I haven't read any comics. It's the ones I own, I've already read them all. So I'm in that weird place of like, I want to read comics, but don't have access to them. And no, I won't read them digitally. Like I can't stare at screens any longer than I already do. And so I'm like, when the library's open, the first thing I'm going to do is check out a fat stack of comics, because that's like, you know, it's like you start thinking about the things that you're missing, and you're like, oh, I miss our great, like, graphic novel section at the library. But yeah. Shall we dive in now? Yes, please. I'm super excited about today's episode. Like, both our topics, I think, are are great. Uh, So our first sponsor is TBR Book Riot subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. If you're stuck at home with nothing to read and you're not able to browse the bookstore, let us help. Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. So Eric, one of the things I get the most requests for in my email, uh, the biggest responses I get from like stuff I write is, where are all the books for boys? And this is a question that I have talked about five bajillion times on every platform that I've written for, primarily saying there's no such thing as books for boys or books for girls. Like that question is the problem in and of itself, right? Like books don't have gender. And frankly, like books with male leads have been the Western canon, period. So there's no like lack of you know, books that feature male characters for teenagers. And and the question, like, comes up again and again and again. And more recently, the context has been in, like, where are the books with male main characters in YA? And I see the shift. I see, like, the shift in the question. And the thought being less, like, books for boys and more, like, books with great male protagonists. Still a thing I don't especially love, but I appreciate the, like, shift in thinking here. And it got me thinking, like, this is something we should talk about because you are male-identifying and you uh, don't seem to have a problem with this. I don't, you know? And it's, uh, it's like, wildly strange to me to think about books as, like, quote-unquote boy books, you know? Um, like, I get... I get the teen boy who just so happens to want to read about another teen boy. For right? sure, like, yeah. Sure, yeah. that makes sense. Like, that was me in high school. Uh, like, I was particularly drawn to stories about, like, soft and sensitive boys who were, like, mm-hmm. emotional disasters like me. <laughs> like, I feel like Gordon Corman managed to help that space a lot when I was younger, as as did reading, like, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when I was a teenager, uh, we'd be in, like, the hallway, and we would just refer to that book as, like, Perks. And it would be, yo, did you 
did you read Perks yet? Like it was like this, like this delicious secret, and like we were <laughs> passing it around in the halls. Um, but like if someone came up to me and said, you know, the Perks of Being a Wallflower is a boy book just because it's told from the perspective of Charlie, like I'd I'd have to like laugh <laughs> about that. Yeah. So like I, I don't know, like it makes me think like what makes a novel a quote unquote boy book versus a book that's told from the perspective of a teen boy, like what is that defining thing for people who insist they want boy books for their teen boys? And what's wild to me is that whenever this question comes up or someone talks to me about it, they always say boy books are like these, the boy book is the intense adventure novel or the boy book is the sports book, which is a hard thing for me to grasp because I don't know what it is about playing football that makes a book more quote unquote like manly uh, than a book about a teen boy navigating trauma and mental health. You know, Mm -hmm. like I... I don't know. I just hate that line of thinking there because like, I don't know, it, it makes me angry. Like that's a, that's a problem. Well, and it's, it's limiting to who boys are. They're way more complex than that. And I think that it's an issue that adults have thinking about gender as two things and very like specific things. And then they attribute anybody who identifies as that particular gender as into certain things. And so they think like boy books. Okay. So my boy readers are going to want football books. And it's like, maybe a couple of them will, but you know, that's not the whole of what boys are interested in. And, and pigeonholing them that way is such a detriment to letting them find those books that really speak to them in a profound way, be it, you know, it could be a a football book, but it could be, you know, a book about a girl who is lonely, you know, and they really connect with that emotional experience in a way that like, they haven't with any other book. And does that make that book not a boy book? No, it makes it a book that just connected with them. And, you know, going back to my librarian days, and going back to how I like to think about books in general is far less about the character's if they're a boy, if they're a girl, certainly if they identify as a gender outside that spec, th- those two two genders, um, I always do take note of that because I know many readers like specifically want non-binary characters, they want trans characters, and I, I, and noting that is super important. But I always think about books in terms of like what you take away with it. You know, is it a funny book? Is it an adventure book? Is it a book that is really emotional? Is it a book that takes on mental health? Like these big topical issues are how I think of the book, not in terms of like, oh, it's a book I'd give to a boy. Instead, I think, no, this is a book I'd give to a reader who wants, you know, an adventure story. They want a pirate story. They want a story uh, that's a rom-com. Like, and that is servicing the reader as opposed to servicing your own belief about that reader you know there's oh i'm trying to remember who who the author is is it shannon is it shannon hale who the princess books yes Mm -hmm. yeah like i've definitely seen her like talk about this a lot on twitter and social media where she'll go do like a school visit and like parents don't want their boys having the princess book Mm -hmm. i feel like there's an article somewhere i don't know it just sprung to mind i don't have notes in front of me right now but i i would totally recommend looking up the things that she said about this Mm because you know it's clearly a space she's really passionate about. Yeah, and I think it comes down to the adults, not the kids, because the kids are going to read a story that interests them. They're not looking at the gender of the main character, um, unless it's something that they are seeking out, which is valid, right? You can have boys who are seeking out stories with a male main character. That's fine. Um, but that doesn't make it a boy book. And yeah. it doesn't 
make it a book for boys. It's all in how you're thinking about what the reader wants as opposed to what you think the reader wants. And I think that adults who are still asking this question should just pause for a moment and think about what that question really means, um, if it has any meaning at all, or if it's a framing for something that could be unpacked a bit. Like, you're looking for boy books. Well, what do you mean by that? Do you mean male main characters? Do you mean sports books? Do you mean, you know? Um, and I think that when you can can break that down and get to, like, the specific thing you're looking for, you're, one, going to better service whoever you're trying to find those books for, but two, you're going to get way better recommendations too, um, particularly for from people who read a lot um, because they're able to better say, oh yeah, you know, I read this book that was about X and Y and Z. It sounds like it'd be perfect. And gender doesn't have to come up in the discussion. Yeah, no, absolutely. So all that said, let's talk about some recent and forthcoming YA books with male leads since that's the thing I, I see a lot. Like, that there aren't many, and I listed a whole bunch without even like looking any up because there's so many, um, and so many like great ones, and so many that are so inclusive too. That's what I love is these like there's so much going on in these books that they're not pinning them down with boy books does such a disservice to the book itself. Yeah, no, I agree. What are some of your picks? Uh, so the first one is one I haven't read yet. I believe you have read it, though. And it's uh, The Gravity of Us by Phil Stampler. Oh, yeah. I love this book. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one came out earlier this year, and it's been sitting on my uh, phone. I've got it on audio and haven't listened to it yet. So you're getting the little the little burb, but I know it's it's one that Eric loved and sounds so up my alley. Um, as Stellar darling book, because like, I, I, I swear I've seen it on like the Indie Bound bestseller list for like weeks oh awesome that's good yeah so here's a little little blip uh as a successful social media journalist with half a million followers 17 year old cal is used to sharing his life online but when his pilot father is selected for a highly publicized nasa mission to mars cal and his family relocate from brooklyn to houston and are thrust into a media circus Amidst the chaos, Cal meets sensitive and mysterious Leon, another astro kid, and he finds himself falling head over heels fast. As the frenzy around the mission grows, so does their connection. But when secrets about the program are uncovered, Cal must find a way to reveal the truth without hurting the people who have become most important to him. And that is The Gravity of Us by Phil Stimpler, and it is out now. Oh, I love that book so much. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that one up. <laughs> Uh, let's see. My first one doo, 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 is uh, American Road Trip by Patrick mm -hmm. Morse, which we talked about when it came out. Like, uh, when did this book come out? Like two years ago? Last year? Yeah. yeah. Last year, I think. Yeah. So it should be in paperback this year, which is going to be lovely. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why I adore this, like, super underrated book. Probably because it's, like, one of the most unconventional YA road trip books that mm -hmm. are out there. Like, I love YA road trip novels, but there's always this, like underlying bit of like hijinks in them you know like oh hijinks ensue hooray we're having fun but in this book like the road trip is serious business right mm -hmm. we meet teodoro uh, a teen who's trying to navigate this uh, very complex family situation his brother has ptsd from his time in the military uh he gets roped in this road trip by his sister who's like convinced she can fix his brother which like as soon as you hear that, like, sentence, like, you know it's not going to go well. Whenever, like, another person is like, oh, I can fix this, but, like, that, that never happens. At the same time, he finds himself falling for this girl, and, like, 
a lot of this has like the makings of what should be like a really lovely summer of like love and adventure, right? Like falling for a new girl, preparing for college, road trip with the family. Uh, but it's not that simple, like at all. His sister's well-intentioned plans to save his brother are like super misinformed. And it's this really awesome book from the, the point of view of this boy uh, that tackles uh, really heavy issues surrounding mental health, PTSD, first relationships, uh, and like what your responsibility is to your family. And, you know, if there are, I don't know, if there are boundaries there, like, and yeah. I just, uh, I just loved it so much. I want more people to discover it. Uh, and that's American Road Trip by Patrick Flores Scott. I love this one too. And I love the whole, it's set in the, southwest and there's this hatch chili farm and just like it gets setting so well too and the chili farm's a real place so like yep mm-hmm. i got to know patrick uh back in michigan when my wife and i had lived there and like that pool's from a, a place that was really close to him he his launch party for this book involved like a, that very specific chili hamburger they mm-hmm. make in the novel like he yes. had them there so it's, it's a it's a place that's pretty close to the author so and so the it feels that way as you're reading it. Yeah, for sure. I got, I mean, I got that vibe. I loved it. My next pick is Yes, No, Maybe So by Becky Albertalli and Aisha Saeed. And this is a dual point of view novel uh, featuring two main characters, Jamie, who is male, Maya, who's female. So Jamie's cousin is running for a local election seat and he has been roped into helping with this campaign. Canvassing and going door to door is kind of the last thing in the world he wants to do. Uh, Maya, whose parents are in the midst of a trial separation, her her life's been a bit upended by this, not just because of that, but her normal ways of practicing Ramadan and celebrating eat are out the window. So she's feeling super unmoored and she's been abandoned by her best friend. So When she bumps into Jamie, who she hasn't seen since they were kids, he convinces her to join him canvassing so that they can catch up. And Maya, also not super stoked about it, uh, decides she'll do it, and it'll help get her mind off things. And when she tells her mom what she's doing, her mom makes her this offer that she can't refuse. If Maya participates with helping the election all summer long, her mom will then get her a car. Things are not super smooth as the two are going door to door. They are meeting these really conservative families in this area that they're canvassing. There's this Islamophobic house bill that's going on in Georgia. There's this anti-Semitic campaign going on. And the two of them are in this really unique position of not just fear and hurt, but of the potential to encourage big change with their work um, in canvassing. And so together, they're working really hard to get Jamie's cousin elected while also trying to take down these terribly discriminatory bills and social um, things going on right now. So sounds super serious because these are big topics, but it's ultimately a rom-com. Jamie and Maya are both really sort of tentative about who they are and um, in the grander scheme of who they are beyond just like on the personal level. This is more on the political level. This book is laugh out loud funny sometimes and both um Maya and Jamie have this like love for spending time at Target that is like <laughs> super relatable content um well at least it was in the in the you know days before we're at now but just love this book there's so much good stuff in here about local politics about how teenagers are passionate and involved and then also swoony romance and that is yes no maybe so by becky albertalli and aisha saeed 
Yeah, and I love that one too. Uh, so my next rec, I wanted to sort of do a backlist pick here, and that's uh, with The Gospel of Winter by Brendan Kiley. Um, because I don't think I've actually talked about this one before. I've, I've definitely talked about tradition because it came out like two years ago and I loved it. We've totally talked about all American boys. Um, but this is his first book that came out in 2014. Oh my God. That's six years. I can't. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, I, sometimes talking about backlist books hurts a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just really like amazing novel about abuse, the Catholic church scandals that like continue. It's centered in Boston. So it's, it's weird. It's almost like reading like a YA novel take on like Spotlight, even though that movie came out long after this book. Um, in it, we meet Aiden, a teen who's watching his family just, they're just falling completely to pieces. Uh, and he seeks refuge uh, with self-medication. So there's drugs and alcohol, uh, as well as a priest uh, who actually seems to listen and care for him. Uh, but as the priest's intentions to turn out be, you know, significantly darker than just helping him, he ends up turning to his friends to work his way out of this emotional landslide he's swept up in you know his family's falling apart people he thinks he can trust he can't trust um and while it dives into a story just pulled from the headlines it it delves into big themes around trauma friendship family and abuse and it's just a uh, just a really amazing book and i don't know i can't believe that's his first novel like how how do you write something that powerful right away i'm I'm jealous and that's uh the gospel of winter by brendan kiley my next pick is Dear Justice by Nick Stone. I said, I can't wait for it. <laughs> Me either. Do you remember when Nick Stone wrote Dear Martin, which featured a male main character? I do. And it was like on all the best of lists because it deserved to be there. This is a sequel to that book. Um, it comes out in October and it's done similarly. This time it is about a teenager named Quan who enters a not guilty plea for the shooting death of a police officer. And he is placed in a holding cell to await trial. So through a series of flashbacks and letters to justice, the protagonist of Dear Martin, his story unravels. Um, And then from the blippity blip, um, from a troubled childhood to bad timing to a coerced confession and a prejudiced police work, Nick Stone's newest novel takes on an unflinching look at the flawed practices and ideologies that discriminate against African-American boys and minorities in the American justice system. I cannot wait to read this. Dear Justice by Nick Stone. I can't wait. So my next one is uh, Goodbye Days by Jeff Zentner. Uh, uh, the sauce crew. Uh, Carver in Zentner's second book belongs to a, a clique of good friends who affectionately call themselves the sauce crew due to their love of various sauces at the nearby McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> and well, when you know what this book is about, it totally ruins looking at delicious barbecue sauce packets forever because all of his friends, uh, they, they all die. So in Goodbye Days, we meet a teen caught up in the aftermath of a car crash uh, that claims the lives of all of his closest friends. uh, And the fact that the blame is being pressed on him is because the uh, last texts he sent were to the driver, and the driver supposedly looked at them before crashing the car. So Carver is wrestling with the idea that, you know, maybe he's responsible, he's not sure if he's responsible, people think he's responsible. He becomes, like, this terribly hated person in his town uh, by a lot of the people that he he used to love so much, uh, while at the same time tries to help one of his friend's grandmother uh, navigate the loss of her her grandson by kind of pretending to be the kid for a little while and and, and help her deal with the, uh, the quote-unquote goodbye days of, of him being gone. Uh, it's this really amazing novel about family, friendship, uh, and most importantly, grief. There's a lot of grief uh, in the book. I, I know we had this, like, 
fun shift in in Zentner's books with um, the Midnight Matinee novel, where we got a lot of funny stuff. Uh, th- this is this is the one beforehand where he, where he's still being really sad, and uh, <laughs> it's, oh, it's really wonderful. And that's a uh, Goodbye Days by Jeff Zentner. My next pick is Field Guide to the North American Teenager by Ben Felipe. And remember when this won a Morris Award for Best Debut Novel? That was this year. If it was this year. I know. This year has been 100 years long. This is a really delightful read with a super unlikable main male character, which we rarely see. But, like, Norris is so unlikable that you like him. Um, He's funny and he's super complex. And I love that um, Felipe flips the script here, uh, turning what is usually reserved for white female characters to be, which is unlikable, and allows a black male character to be that. Um, So this is really a story about Norris, who is pulled from everything he has known in Canada as he's moved to Austin, Texas, where he starts out, where he stands out, rather, because of his French-Canadian background. And um, he decides to play the role of observer as as opposed to the role of participant. And it makes him frustrating because he, he plays everyone he encounters. So, like, he is not actually participating in his school environment, but, like, it's very much a field guide to the people who are at his school. It's a game to him rather than sort of this this reality of, of his life right now. And I just, I love this. This is a really funny story about a fish out of water and not even remotely wanting to wade into the waters. Norris's voice is so good. He's not too smart. He's not too savvy. But um, he's really real and and flawed. Just so flawed in a way that just screams authentic character that is field guide to the north american teenager by ben felipe and i have to say um i love the original cover which is like a notebook it looks like a field guide the new cover for the paperback is this dark purple and you have norris on the front cover and he looks so awkward i love it oh that book See, next up on my list, uh, I'm going to pull another backlist one, and that's uh, Hold Me Closer, Necromancer by Alicia McBride. You know, I, this is one of those, another one of those books. I'm like, I'm surprised I haven't talked about this one more. Uh, it's also one of the best titled books in YA. I yes. Think. Uh, in it, we meet Sam, who uh, is just, you know, being a teen, making his way through life until he pranks the wrong kid, Douglas, who just turns out to be a necromancer, uh, <laughs> who sees the possibility uh, in Sam. Uh, and what unravels is just a really wonderful, funny, and, like, exciting uh, urban fantasy novel. Uh, and it's, like, one of those few YAs where it's, like, the kid is 19 and he's like a college dropout. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I, I I love those sort of refreshing books where like there isn't the pressure to go to college. And like, I remember we talked about this before about like the okay of like not doing that and like sort of, I don't know, is, is quitting the right word? Maybe. I think we did talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that this book sort of dives into that while having a bunch of fun magic and necromancy <laughs> uh, happening all over the place. And that's a uh, hold me closer necromancer. My next pick is one that I know I've talked about, that you've talked about. It's Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles. Uh, you convinced me to read this one, and I'm not sad about it. Um, <laughs> I, I'd read Giles' previous work. He's written a number of mysteries, but this was his first contemporary book. came out earlier this year, and it is a great one. He takes on the topic of toxic masculinity, particularly when it comes to boys thinking that they are the good ones, when in fact they're playing right into the systems that contribute to being exactly the opposite of the good 
the good guy. Um, so in the story, Della has had this crush on Kiera forever, but she's always been with another guy. So when he sees the opportunity to swoop in when she's single, he agrees to take part in a purity pledge at the church where he knows he'll see her every week while the pledge happens. But it's, of course, not that simple to get her attention. And she's just not interested and he can't pick up the signs. The book delves into a lot of stuff about sexuality and male sexu sexual education especially. And I thought that it handled it in a way that I hadn't seen in, in YA before. This is funny. It's a funny book. Um, and Dell is, again, flawed, but he's really, really well-meaning. And it takes him a long time to understand what it even means to try to be good with, with Kira. And um, he's pursuing her in a way she's not comfortable with or interested in. And it takes him a long time to sort of understand why that might be and, like, why he might need to change his tactics a little bit. Um it's a really fascinating look at power dynamics and relationships and how they're taught to young people, especially. Um, that is Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles. The book got like a million stars from everywhere. Yes. Just, everyone go buy it. Let's see. My next one is uh, Deposing Nathan by Zach Smedley. Have we talked about this one on the podcast yet? I feel like maybe you did. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Well, so in this one... Uh, this is one of those YAs from Page Street, which is a smaller YA press that's doing really, really interesting stuff. Um, and in this, we meet a religious teen boy who uh, quickly finds himself being abused by his aunt as he gets closer and closer to another boy and maybe starts discovering feelings for said boy uh, and then ends up getting stabbed by him. Um, but things are so wildly complicated. Uh, and as the court date gets closer for these two, more and more secrets start to unspool. You start to learn why things went down the way they did. Um, and it makes for this like really unique read about friendship, toxic relationships, uh, messy families. Um, it's surprisingly funny, despite that description that I just brought up about him getting stabbed. Um, and yeah, I would love it if more people picked this one up. It's, a, it's from a smaller press. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really great. And you can't really talk about it much more without ruining uh, what, what has happened at the end there. So that's uh, Deposing Nathan by Zach Snedley. My next pick is Camp by Elsie Rosen. Oh and my god, one... the cover. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, this one comes out at the end of the month. And Lev is actually going to join me on HeyYA Extra Credit next month. So spoiler alert there. This is a deliciously queer rom-com set at a queer summer camp and has a little bit of everything. It's fun and fluffy and really dives deep into issues about toxic masculinity and looks at, at this both through the lens of straight culture and queer culture. And it's really fabulous. Funny. Um, it's one of those stories you do have to buy in in the first chapter. The main character decides he's going to take on a new identity when he shows up this year because he wants to get with this guy that he has known at the camp the last four years and, like, doesn't want this guy to know that he's this, you know, he's been there before. He wants his whole new persona. And so it's like a faking the identity sort of thing, except the crush totally knows that it's him. But just, just fun and and cover some stuff that I've not seen done before in YA and particularly not in queer YA and that is Camp by Elsie Rosen. All right, I'm just going to bring up a couple rapid fire picks that I know <laughs> I've talked about before and that's uh you know maybe pick up Little Brother by Cory Doctorow, Looking for Alaska by John Green cuz I finally finished watching the Hulu series which it's a series. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really like the book. Um, 
let's see what else. Uh, Charm and Strange by Stephanie Keen and Hero by Perry Moore are some of my my fave uh, <laughs> boy protagonist books. I'm gonna I'm gonna rapid fire as well. So um, I actually I want to read the description of this one and then I'll rapid fire one of the other authors I wanted to talk about. Um, so a peculiar peril by Jeff Vandermeer, who wrote he wrote a couple or a series that was an adult series. He's now writing a YA series. This one comes out in July. Um, but you'll probably want it in your radar now. It's the first in a series, and the description sounds like the kind of book with uh, mega appeal to every gender, of course. But the male main character. The series is named after him. Uh, so here's a little a little blurb. Jonathan Lambshead stands to inherit his deceased grandfather's overstuffed mansion, a veritable cabinet of curiosities, once he and his two schoolmates catalog its contents. But the three soon discover that the house is filled with far more than just oddities. It holds clues linking to an alternate Earth called Aurora, where notorious English occultist Alistair Crowley has stormed back to life on a magic-fueled rampage across a surreal, through-the-looking-glass version of Europe replete with talking animals and talking vegetables. Swept into encounters with allies more unpredictable than enemies, Jonathan pieces together his destiny as a member of a secret society devoted to keeping our world separate from Aurora. But as the ground shifts and allegiances change with each step, he and his friends sink deeper into a deadly pursuit of the profound evil that is also chasing them. This sounds absolutely ridiculous and also enjoyable. That's A Peculiar Peril by Jeff Vandermeer and comes out in July. And I wanted to quick also mention Daniel Krauss here. Like, I feel all of his books, except his most recent, Bent Heavens, have had male main characters, and they're these super gory, horror, gruesome, scary books um, that anyone who's like, I want a male main character who goes through some stuff will love them. Rotters is is one. Um, I just totally blanked, um, but Rotters is a great one. Scowler is the other one that I was thinking of. And then he's got this, this set of alternate history books, and I'm going to flail on the names but i'll drop them in the the show notes um but he's writing some really fascinating male main characters um and that's that's daniel kraus who we talked about a lot of books there yeah that was a good bunch yeah do you want to hit our next sponsor before we hit our next topic we're gonna have a long show today I do. Uh, so our second sponsor is the mermaid the witch and the sea by maggie taguda hall the pirate Florian, born Flora, has always done whatever it takes to survive, including sailing under the false flag on the dove as a marauder, thief, and worse. Lady Evelyn Hasagawa, a highborn imperial daughter, is on board as well, accompanied by her own casket. But Evelyn's one-way voyage to an arranged marriage in the floating islands is interrupted when the captain and crew show their true colors and enslave their wealthy passengers. Both Florian and Evelyn have lived their lives by the rules and whims of others, but when they fall in love, they decide to take fate into their own hands, no matter the cost. That's The Mermaid, The Witch, and the Sea. That that just came out this week, I think. Yeah, it has this most gorgeous cover, too. I know. <laughs> so I was emailing with Eric about what we were going to talk about this week on the show when we learned that Midnight Sun was coming out by Stephanie Meyer. And I went down like this whole memory lane about that book and the whole story behind it. I was like, oh, this makes me feel old um, that I know all the drama wrapped up with that book from 2008. And 
that in conjunction with thinking about the fact Suzanne Collins' A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes comes out this month, I thought it'd be fun if we talked about why authors we'd love to see surprise new books from. I love it. <laughs> um, so my first one is Jenny Han's Summer Series. I want to know what happened after book three. So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Um, this is an older book series, so sorry. In the final book, Belly, the main character, gets married to her boy of choice. And I want to know how that marriage has progressed. Like, I recognize this might not make it a, an adult, a YA book. So it might be an adult book. But um, I also don't care. Like, tell me the ups and downs of how this marriage goes. Do they return to the beach house? Do they take their kids there? And there's a new romance with Belly's, you know, child and, and the child of somebody at this beach. I want that story. I want the romance. I just, I want all the swoons from Jenny Han with, with this one. Um, I, I think it'd be so much fun if she did drop like a surprise um, book for this one because everybody would expect it to come for her recent series, uh, Tell the Boys I Loved Love Before, but like this would be a, a nice way for people to get reacquainted with the, the um, other series. See, my first pick a little unconventional one and that's uh talker 25 by joshua McCune. um i'm like convinced i'm the only one of the only people who read this amazing <laughs> like duology and i'll like defend it to the death um so it's a it's a ya series set in this dystopian future where where dragons have just come out of the ground and now they're a part of our world a, a world that's at war with them um but maybe they're a little bit smarter and live richer lives than we think uh, it turns out some of the dragons are telepathic and they can talk to people and there's a whole hierarchy and class of the different dragons. Uh, it's really awesome. It reads like Reign of Fire as a YA novel, which I realize maybe isn't selling it very well because <laughs> I think I'm the only person who likes Reign of Fire. But it's fascinating. It's such a, it's such a great duology. Um, and anyhow, the books, they, they pick up. And you're just, like, in the world already, right? Like, the dragons are here. It's this weird dystopia where, like, all the houses and are painted black. People wear a lot of dark colors because dragons can't really see black. Uh, and so this whole thing is going. This whole world is formed. And I'd love to read, get, like, a surprise prequel novel that, like, show us how, shows us how we got there. Like, the big war with the dragons and how we got to this new society and stuff. Uh, I think it would be fascinating. I know it'll never happen. But I I dare to dream. Uh, that's uh, Talker 25 by Joshua McCune. And uh, yeah, give me a surprise prequel. So speaking of duologies that you'll defend to the death, even though you're the only person who has read them, um, my <laughs> my uh, series like that is Megan McCafferty's Bumped and Thumped duology. So this came out after the Jessica Darling series, and I feel like nobody but me read it, and I loved it. Um, it's really, really smart, and it's satire, which I know is a hard sell, but I think about this duology more than most other books. So the 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 whole concept of it. Did you read this one? No, no, I know, okay. I know you're telling me to. Okay, so the concept of this is that a virus has made everybody over the age of eighteen infertile. So would be parents pay these huge dollars, huge sums of money to teen girls to conceive for them? So the book then follows uh, twin sisters. They're identical, Melody and Harmony. They were separated at birth, and they've had very, very different life experiences. So Melody is supposed to get a lot of money to conceive for a family, while Harmony grew up in this religious community that believed getting pregnant for others was a sin. And so she has tracked down her sister and is going to convince her not to take the money. 
It is absolutely ridiculous, but the book itself is super powerful in how it explores uh, teen girls, their value in society, the way governments and religious groups each try to control female bodies, and I want to know what happened after the second book. I want there to be a new addition to this duology that takes place either before the book, um, so like when the virus hits, or maybe after set in today's world. Uh, this is uh, obviously a futuristic-ish book, but there's no specific setting in terms of time, so this might not necessarily be futuristic anymore. And I feel like this world has so, so much that could be played with. And I just, I want more, even though I will be the only person who like is dying for it. Um, but again, I do think that when authors bring a new book into a series, it reignites the interest in that series. So that's my take on a, on a duology that like I will defend. Uh, what what else do you have? So I was, I was thinking about... Um particularly because I miss the beach right now so much. Uh, September Girls by Bennett Madison. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is one of those, like, is it YA? Is it adult? It, I don't know. It's in that, that sort of weird space. Um, and uh, yeah, speaking of books where we think about what happens after the summer, such as in Jenny's books, uh, I want to know what happens after uh, the summer in September Girls. Um, so uh, yeah, in this book, you know, we, we're, we're sort of in this, Magical summer where mermaids, maybe sirens, definitely magical girls are coming out of the water uh, and lessons are being learned as a result of navigating these strange relationships with these these sort of magical girls that are popping up and, I don't know, causing all kinds of hijinks with the boys in town. I'd like to know what happens after all of this because, like, I don't know, I'm always fascinated by, by books where there's lots of magic and everything and the main character survives and goes on about their lives because what happens after? Like, how do you live your life? knowing what you know now that the world isn't as it seems um yeah i would love to read you know october girls i don't know whatever whatever comes <laughs> after this. uh so we so we know what happens to these characters this is another one of those books that was like so disliked when it came out i really liked it it was i like, loved it and i yeah. remember people hating it <laughs> i think i don't want to say it was satire but i think it it played with some of the similar like tone that bumped and thumped did and i think that that was hard for some readers to to buy into so my my last pick is one i bet you would agree with and that is i really want to go back to Catherine house with nova and suma from a room away from the wolves because I want to hear the stories of the other residents in the all-girls home uh, in Greenwich Village. Maybe a story from her mom's point of view when she was there. Um, it's such a really rich setting. And I feel like ghost stories lend themselves to so much exploration, as do family stories. So, like, I was thinking about this one, and I was thinking about, two Angie Thomas is bringing a new story that's set in the world of The Hate You Give, with Concrete Rose, and it's um, the father's story of growing up. And it's like, I, I was thinking, there's so much that Nova could do with Catherine House, with the mother, with the other people who were at this boarding house, ghosts. Like, I would read many, many more books set there. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Did you have any others that you wanted to, to toss out? No, I think that's it for me. Yeah, I, I feel like those are ones that I would be super excited about. Let's call it a show. I yeah. feel like, ooh, we gave people their money's worth this week. <laughs> <laughs> 
thank y'all for tuning in. If you have any feedback about the show, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing and it will help other people find us. Thanks to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as HeyKellyJensen. And you could follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Instagram Rocks. And we will talk to y'all again in two weeks. Bye.